Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 of the Inking Out Loud podcast. That's right, you heard me correctly. We've officially reached 100 episodes of our regularly scheduled content. Whew. Originally, Drew and I had planned to make this another live stream event with a bunch of shenanigans, and that episode is going to happen, but we decided that this is just going to be a bonus content episode for everyone in the future. Today, we're continuing on with our read of Glenn Cook's Books of the Glittering Stone with She is the Darkness, Part 1. I'm your host, Rob Santos, joined, as always, by my co-host, Drew McCaffrey. How's it going, everybody? And we're joined, of course, by the Sorcerer Supreme himself, Mr. Jared Livingston. <laughs> What's up, Jared? Much better. Much better. <laughs> we're still improving. Drew? The Shadow Master. Yes. Oh, no, he doesn't get that yet. He might get that in the next one. <laughs> Drew, take us through the first 57 chapters of this book. Yeah. So before I do that, I need to open my beer. <laughs> and I'm very much looking forward to this. But uh, yeah, as Rob said, we are covering the first 57 chapters of She is the Darkness today. And, uh, you know, a lot happened. <laughs> a lot happened. We kick things off pretty much right where we left them at the end of Bleak Seasons, where the Taglian uh, war machine is starting the engines and... and uh, getting ready to move out and move down south. And in She's the Darkness, they get moving very quickly. Um, you know, there's a huge concentrated effort. Um, you know, Blade and, and some of Mogaba's cavalry are out fighting a delaying action, retreating toward the pass at Chirondeprash, while all of the combined armies of Taglios and the Black Company are coming together. And uh, we have, you know, a brief kind of battle with a mass amount of shadows at Lake Tangi, just below Chirondeprash, and then we have the big showdown. Finally. The, uh, the big battle, the clash between Croker and Mogaba, between the forces of the Black Company and the Shadow Master, Long Shadow, and uh, it, it goes pretty unexpectedly. Everybody thinks the company is going to lose because they're, uh, you know, trying to fight a winter campaign. But Croker had one hell of an ace up his sleeve. The traitor Blade was not so traitorous at all. And uh, performs a double cross. Causes his whole division of Shadowlander soldiers to surrender without a fight. And hamstrings Long Shadow and Mogaba's army. Uh, there's a pretty big showdown uh, between Lady and Soulcatcher uh, in the middle of the battle. The Howler and Long Shadow and Narayan Singh and Mogaba all have to retreat. And we have uh, this sort of kind of crazy guerrilla winter campaign as the company approaches Overlook and sets up camp outside the city. Mogaba is, um, you know, leading some partisans to, to disrupt the company's, um, you know, efforts. While Narayan Singh and the Daughter of Night and the Howler and Long Shadow are holed up inside Overlook... Lady uh, springs a surprise attack on Overlook and slips several hundred of her soldiers inside the fortress. And meanwhile, Soulcatcher sets up shop just down the road, and Croker has been meeting with her. Mergen has a, a new experience where his dreams start becoming more like uh, what he experiences with Smoke, where he can actually, you know, sort of lucid dream and check on things in real time, um, you know, uh, without having to, uh, without having to, um, you know, use smoke himself. So we are left at the end here where the company has a tunnel under the wall into Overlook and have just sprung an attack that has pretty much broken the resistance of uh, Long Shadow's forces, and it's just Long Shadow and the Howler left hold up in, in Long Shadow's uh, impregnable tower, while uh, Narayan Singh and uh, uh, Soulcatcher have been up to something they met, we don't know what, and the Daughter of Night is now transcribing the, um, the Books of the Dead in an effort to bring Kina forth from her slumber. 
So, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk writing style. Yeah. Okay. I have a few specific points for writing style today. Um, but first, I'm going to start with another confession. Not a, not really a big deal for today this time, but um, I need to admit something. As it turns out, I didn't quite finish the reading for <laughs> what we were doing this week. We had a quick chat, uh, us, in the, uh, us three, about three days ago, something like that, maybe two, even two days ago, which chapter we were ending on. And I couldn't remember at the time if it was 51 or 57, and I somehow managed to walk away from that conversation thinking it was chapter 51. So yesterday, <laughs> when I looked down at my phone near the end of the day, you know, at work, and it was playing chapter 52, I had a moment of, oh, sh whoops, I kind of went a little past where I was supposed to. In about 30 minutes before we went live today, I read that conversation again and realized that it was chapter 57. So that's a double oops on my part. So I, I managed to read about 90% of what I needed to for today. There, there's that extra 10%, those last five chapters, four and a half, I'll say, that I didn't quite get through. But I don't know what it was about this book, but I found it a lot easier to follow than previous books. I, mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously going to be easier than Bleak Seasons for several reasons, <laughs> but I also mean that it's been far easier to follow in, like, narrative and scene structure than any of the previous books have been as well, in my opinion, with maybe the exception of Shadows Linger. I remember being able to follow that one pretty, mm -hmm. follow that one pretty easily. <laughs> I, had to but, do, um, I had to do a yeah. double take to make sure that I had read correctly that Mergen was still narrating. Yeah, it is pretty different. I mean, he's been through some, some stuff. Yeah, and he's found out yeah. some stuff. <laughs> yes, he has. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit here. But yeah, but, yeah, uh, but yeah. Even though there's like not a ton happening, well, there's there is a ton happening. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm enjoying this read a little more than the others. I mean, maybe it's just because I managed to spend a whole two days at work finally not having to teach new employees. So I had some decent welding alone time this week. I knocked out like half of the reading on Monday and the, another third of it yesterday. So, I mean, either way, I, like all of my style complaints from last week have pretty much been resolved. Nice. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring it up, you know, how last week Jared, I think it was Jared who said that Bleak Seasons felt like uh, Crossroads of Twilight mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And, you know, I won't go into spoilers for the Wheel of Time, but suffice it to say, in Crossroads of Twilight, we get a lot of retreading. We get, mm. uh, you know, perspectives from other characters during uh, an event that happens at the end of the previous book. And so with Bleak Seasons, we kind of have that same thing, right? You know, we have a lot of retreaded ground with the Siege of Dejigore, but from the perspective of those inside the city. Uh, and that... It didn't really have a big ending, like didn't have a big climax, uh, and it felt like it was just setting up a lot of things for the next book, the way Crossroads of Twilight does. And like Knife of Dreams, book 11 of uh, The Wheel of Time, She is the Darkness here, hits the ground running, and all these things that were getting set up in the previous book are happening, and, and possibly happening um, more quickly than anticipated i wanted to ask you guys like did you expect that the battle at charataprash would happen like in in chapter what like 20 i didn't at no. all no no i would have no i would have no, figured that maybe we'd have two battles one on top of another at the end of the book i didn't no i can't say i saw this coming i was mentally yeah. prepared for more trekking yeah they, yeah, okay. they yeah. move through that travel south very quickly yeah they pulled a um, season eight of game of thrones on us <laughs> was that season yeah. seven? I don't remember. It's not worth thinking about. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's, I, there's a lot of the witty banter that I enjoyed in the previous books, mostly in the OG books of the North. A lot of that mm -hmm. is back. These exchanges between Croker and Mergen, Croker uh, and One Eye, Mergen and One Eye, Mother Goda. If it all feels like the first few books reminded me. So there's these little gems of dialogue scattered everywhere, and I had a little bit of trouble finding those, especially in the last book, or maybe the last couple of books, but one of my favorite exchanges here was between Croker and Morgan, you know, something that just stood out to me and made me think of this, this OG feeling of camaraderie. Thank me for the nice new road. Thank you for the nice new road, Croker. You know, this, this military-style <laughs> humor is just on full display. Um, even <laughs> when Morgan is searching, uh, well, shadow walking, I keep forgetting the name. When Morgan is, is, is uh, dreaming through smoke, 
and he's searching yeah. the world and he finds goblin and he just finds him slugging on through the elements he's totally <laughs> miserable and this this throwaway line like any good soldier if he was bitching he was perfectly all right i just yeah hmm. yep. it's it's all there i do love this stuff yeah yeah um i i know when i read this book the first time uh like I said, you know, last episode, I, I didn't love Bleak Seasons the first time I read it. Uh, and I did love She is the Darkness the first time I read it. Uh, you know, the the amount of action, the amount of just movement, both geographical and narrative movement in this book picks up big time. Uh, it, it's a lot more like, uh, you know, Shadow Games, where they, you know, travel basically the, the length of the world... You know, going from the Barrowland all the way, you know, south to Taglios in the first maybe third of the book, and then the rest of it is battles. You know, uh, and and here obviously they don't cover quite as much ground as they did in Shadow Games, but they've gone eight hundred miles. You know, from Taglios to Overlook, uh, and and they got to Overlook at probably the one third mark. You know, uh, it's it's just a much more fast-paced book than Bleak Seasons was. Mm. For yeah. sure. Um, uh, but, and, and I wanted to ask you guys, uh, you know, on the topic of style, you know, this is one thing that a lot of people struggle with in the books of the North, how um, a lot of battles just kind of get glossed over. Um, how do you feel about his portrayal of, of you know, Charanda Prash and, and battling the shadows at Lake Tangi and, and things like that? I still Visually... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say visually pleasing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there, there, were, there were several points where I pulled out the audiobook intentionally with, you know, just to rewind it 30 seconds and rewind it a couple of minutes again here and there. But I mean, it was enjoyable. I didn't lose me at all through it. The other ones had at points lost me. Um, just because mm-hmm. they would kind of move on from this uh, event or, or move through that, this other event a little quickly. I didn't find that really happening here. I had a pretty neat comprehensive image of what was happening throughout the entire thing. So I'm sure that contributed a lot to the fact that I enjoyed this one a lot more so far than a yeah. couple of the last ones. I enjoyed yeah. the battle scenes, particularly in this one, because I felt like there was a background of suspense with them where I was expecting croaker to have a wild card but not knowing what it was <laughs> i just yeah you know i just worry that things are going too well because this is the black company it can't go this well <laughs> i was thinking the same thing like much longer this is too yeah. easy yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah and i like that i like how he builds this tension like obliquely right you know because we are experienced readers we know you know like things never go this easily when is the other shoe gonna drop Mm. you know what what is gonna happen and uh and and you know now we're reaching the 50 percent mark you know we read almost exactly half the book for for this episode and generally speaking you know we're in we're in the second act of the book so to speak and usually the second act is where things start going wrong in books. So it's like, and, and to, to be fair, you know, where we left off, there's a lot of chaos. You know, we have, we have more hints, you know, popping up that like, uh, you know, the Prabhrindra was planning some maneuver in Kiaulun without telling anybody that Mergen like kind of scuttled for him by getting all the guys to burn the city down basically. Um, and, and, you know, we have this new twist with the books of the dead where it's like, oh, oh, geez, like the daughter of night is in direct communication with Kina and has the ability to like transcribe these books that will wake up Kina and give her an avenue into the world again. You know, mm. so we have we have some things that are starting to go wrong, and there's a lot of chaos around the situation with Overlook. We see, you know, Lady and Croker are not necessarily communicating great. Uh, uh, you wouldn't say so? <laughs> no, <laughs> these two? Come on! Uh, yeah, because it's yeah. not like they have a dysfunctional relationship or anything. <laughs> Definitely not. You know, yeah. speaking of Croker and the Lady, this is the first time I've taken a close look at the cover art for any of these books, and you know what? <laughs> I like yeah. it. I like it. 
the um uh the cover art improves greatly with the books of glittering stone um bleak seasons uh has has an interesting you know artwork with the white crow and and like the kind of tower the the citadel and dejagore in the background um i actually don't remember what the cover art is like for she is the darkness i remember water sleeps and soldiers live but right the compendium cover art's yeah. awesome Oh, oh, that's right. It's Croker and Lady on the cover. That's yeah. why I said, yeah, speaking of Croker and Lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty dope. I'm gonna pull it up right here. Yeah. Looks pretty good on a Samsung device, too. Or I should just say a smartphone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's, that's... it's a lot less cartoony than the first few books were. Agreed. Uh, you know, like the, the Soul Catcher oh my cover God. on, on uh, Dreams of Steel. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and and of course you know the cover art for um, uh, the omnibus version, you know, the Return of the Black Company by you know the art by Raymond Swanland is also absolutely oh yeah, awesome. that looks that looks dope. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure is supposed to be Lady, um, but the white taking? hair. Is is kind of throwing me off. Is that the life taker armor getup that she was wearing? Yeah, or? yeah, I think so. Because um, there's boobs on it, so. Oh. Well, I don't think Croker's um, been that out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, the white hair on on Lady just throws me off, and that's that's why you know. Yeah, I, but would, it could I also just be her like as a blonde, you know, as like a. Um, yeah. But I guess I don't yeah, know like why I think that. One of, one of her defining traits is that she has, like, black hair. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She <laughs> Seven books into the both. series. I'm just learning this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I, I, back to writing style. Do you, do you guys have any more? I have uh, no more. I was about to say, I am done with my style points for today. I, I would just say, like, it felt more traditional. Like a more yeah, traditional yes. style. Yes, yeah, more me. traditional fantasy kind of narrative. Things happen, 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 and they're pretty, uh, pretty evenly spaced apart. It doesn't really drop. It, 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 the momentum doesn't really stumble. Yet. Yeah. Um, and and one of the things that I think contributes to this is the the use of smoke as a, a literary device. Mm. How because Mergen can ride smoke, he can give us literal bird's eye views of, you know, these battles and maneuvers and things happening. So it is, you know, an almost omniscient narrator looking down and explaining exactly what's going on instead of, uh, you know, some of the, the previous books that we got, uh, you know, with Croker where he's in the thick of things. We don't get to see the whole battle. We just get to see what Croker saw or what Lady saw. And, uh, and, and that comes across, I think, a little more um, smoothly for, for, you know, what modern fantasy has become. Uh, it's, it's much more like the, you know, the battles that we see in, in uh, more recent books. For sure. Agreed. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my last style point. So, shall we head into characters? Do we want to yeah. start with Mergen? Yeah, let's start with Mergen. Sure. You know, our main character. And I, I wanted to start off by saying, poor Mergen, dude. I mean, he really is the new croaker in that this guy just cannot catch a break. He had his heart uh, yeah. ripped out of his chest last book, and now he's finding out more about what really happened while having to pretend that he doesn't know the truth. These motherfuckers yep. faked his wife's death. They, yep. <laughs> they kidnapped her. They took her back to her homeland to live a life of misery without him while pregnant with his child. Good Lord, what a bombshell that revelation was. How does he yeah. not... How does he have the self-control to not rage against those two, at least? I, I think he justifies yeah. it a little bit at one point when he says, anybody in the Black Company has learned to deal with emotional stress. You have to <laughs> as a soldier. He kind of passes it off that way. But you're right. I'm still a little... I, I don't quite buy it. Well, he, he almost snaps several times. You know, there's no the one moment uh, when they're going through Kialun, through, like, you know, the fog and dealing with the the snipers and things like that. And, and he sees Uncle Doge and, and Mother Gota, like, you know, scuttling along. And he <laughs> almost snaps and, like, 
thinks about how he wants to just like grab Ty Day by the throat and like slam him against the wall and yep. tell him, I know what the truth is, you know, and he has to restrain himself. Um, but yeah, the, the, the two, the two big like revelations about these weird mysteries from bleak seasons, you know, with Blade and with Sara getting both of them in the first half of the book here is, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, um, and it's not just this. I mean, look at everything he's he's also doing while he finds this out. I mean, the traveling is difficult. The hunger uh, sounds real. The miserable in-laws, like you said, are ever-present, <laughs> and he's fighting for his life again and again. He's the most sympathetic character by far at this point, excepting, I wrote, excepting perhaps Willow Swan. I also really like that guy. Probably not a big <laughs> surprise to anybody. But yes. you know, obviously what, what Mergen's going through is just, oh my god, dude. The miserable siege with his in-laws. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maybe that's a good like way to put it. A literal hole, like dug out of the side of a hill. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm still, I'm still <laughs> loving the lack of patience that he has for everyone else's bullshit. I mean, this recurring line yeah. from One Eye: "You've got a real attitude problem, kid." It's <laughs> golden. His exchanges <laughs> with, like, with Croker again, they're hilarious <laughs> at times. And I loved this bomb where he dropped it on Mother Gota. She was contemptuous as she glared at me. Nor did she spare my feelings. My mother was a mad woman in her last days. We would be well rid of this weakling. Being weakling and not much caring for this world anymore, I didn't feel much obligated to keep the peace. I bet that back in the swamp, they think they're lucky stars every night that you decided not to come home. Boom! <laughs> Shots fired. Again, even with Uncle Joji's response, I hand on the shoulder, he's like, a shaft well sped, youngster. I'm just like, yeah, it was. Damn. <laughs> I, honestly, I love the banter between Mergen and One-Eye. Like, uh, splitting up, you know, Goblin and One-Eye um, is a bold choice, not just for, for Croker, but for Glenn Cook, you know, because Goblin and One-Eye have been this sort of in, inseparable duo up to this Yeah, but I like, he said, I like it myself, as somebody who was kind of frustrated yeah. with a lot of their shenanigans earlier. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, but I, I, I really enjoy the, the banter between... Mergen and One-Eye. Well, it's like One-Eye knows that he's getting under his skin, and Mergen knows that One-Eye knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, the, I, I had to highlight this one because it just made me laugh uh, when, when uh, <laughs> Croker comes wandering over and, and they see, like, the dog, like, run by and, like, eat a crow, and then a bunch of other crows attack the dog. <laughs> and, and a parable, one I said, observe, black crows, black dog, the eternal struggle, black philosopher, Croker yep. grumbled, and then, black company, <laughs> just, just, just goes, black company. That was, that was one of those moments where I'm in mid-weld and I just go, nice, all right. Yeah. Poor Mergen. Yeah. Poor Mergen. <laughs> yeah. yeah I hope he gets a little bit of a break. He's got to deal with so much from so many people. I, I hope he gets his chance to really just unleash on whoever or whatever he needs to, or somebody that deserves it, I'll say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and we do see, I mean, he, he has sent a message, hasn't gotten there yet, but he has sent a message to Sara. Yeah. You know, to let her know, I'm alive. And it's Sleepy and, taking that message, right? I'm still remembering mm -hmm. correctly? Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, and, and so I was actually going to say, uh, if we're done with Mergen, uh, I want to yep. chat about Sleepy. About Sleepy? Um, yeah. Do you okay. guys have opinions on Sleepy? I mean, it, it, the only thing I have an opinion on regarding Sleepy, it kind of ties into one of my miscellaneous points. And that is just the fact that I, I really find it kind of hard to believe that all of these characters are just picking up multiple languages with apparent ease and not not exclusively not all of our characters i mean with mother gota obviously but it seems just <laughs> a matter of fact that most of our characters in the black company sleepy made me realize this that they all speak about a half dozen languages they're all at their disposal well, i mean mergen seems to be able to switch between three or four and i can I, mean, I can believe it of lady she speaks dozens she's she's how old god she could probably yeah. that's no problem but i just even croaker take croaker who himself has apparently like 20 or so languages learned. I'm just like... Yeah, Croker's a language savant. They, they I get that. I, mean, I get that. about this last week. He's like, what, 45 <laughs> or 50 at this point? I get that it's yeah. humanly possible, but that's the kind of talent that pops up like once in a few billion births. 
And these guys, like in a large part, they're presented as not particularly sophisticated gentlemen. But they all seem to pick up languages like others pick up, like whistling or juggling or dancing. Yeah, well, it's just so, like, I mean, we 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 talked about this last week, but I'll, I'll reiterate: we see it from the perspective of Mergen. A lot of these yeah. guys probably aren't fluent. They know enough to get by, you know. Like, and Mergen is just. But if you look at the syntax, you look at the like, yeah, like the, the sentence the structure. Mergen's the one writing it. Okay. Like, <laughs> I guess. And, and, and yeah, like Sleepy, Sleepy doesn't know multiple languages. Sleepy just knows Taglian. Well, no, but he's learning multiple at the same time. That's what they're talking about. And, and especially with, with writing, too. Yeah, Morgan's telling him all about how he's going to have to teach him how to be analyst and how, many, how much yeah, writing he's going to have to learn. learning multiple languages for it. He's just... I thought like, he was. No. Sleepy's uh, I must learning have... the, the written Taglian alphabet right now, which he hasn't even learned all of yet. Oh? He's like, okay. I've learned I'm going to have to go back and characters. examine why I thought he was learning multiple languages at the moment. Huh. No, okay. no, no. Um, yeah, most still, of like, Sleepy's uh, time is spent, like, you know, with Big Bucket's Special Forces Battalion. He's, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and what little... I mean, as far as, he, as, far as Sleepy goes... Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to guess too far off of Sleepy. Well, we're still talking about Sleepy. What's that, Jared? I was just going to say, as far as Sleepy goes, it's if I read correctly, it sounds like he has a pretty horrific background. Yeah. I must have missed that. Yeah, How's his, that? uh, his, his, he had some rapey uncles. Yes. Oh, oh, I thought he was just being super dark. He was being serious about that. Yeah. I took it literally. <laughs> so, I mean, those are the kind of jokes that my, I mean, not to be, not to sound too crack. I guess I'll admit this now that my friends and I crack all the time on, on, on video games and stuff. And we're talking to each other, not really in, in the presence of randoms, but I didn't take that as particularly serious, but I guess I'll be paying attention to that going forward. Yeah, um, and and so the reason that I I ask you you know your opinions on Sleepy is because uh, Sleepy will be the analyst in the next book, and we're oh, gonna find out a lot okay, more that makes about sense. Sleepy. I don't know why I'm surprised mm -hmm. by that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's already you know we're only halfway through this cool. book and he's already okay. you know training. Um, uh, wait, as long as Mergen doesn't die, come on. Dude, I mean, this yeah, I I agree with that, but this is also the Black Company. We'll see. Yeah, this is this. Mergen needs Martin his moment of fame with the Lance. If that doesn't happen, I'm gonna be pissed. It depends if what's happening to him. Is a, is a result of what's happening? Is a result of him wielding the lamb. I mean, Croker used the Lance for how long? Right. Uh, oh, wait, no. He's an, what am I saying? He was analyst. He was the standard bearer and analyst. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We I, don't, I don't know yeah, who the sorry, standard bearer was before Mergen. Um, do we not? Because Mergen, Mergen only joined the company, um, like, after Shadows Linger. Uh, and and <laughs> was the standard bearer in the White Rose. But we didn't... I guess Croker has held it. I mean, he stabbed Howler with it last book, or two books ago, didn't he? He did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when when Soulcatcher recovered the lance and, mm -hmm. and used it to uh, kill Moonshadow. Yeah. And then, and then uh, Croker got to jab the Howler and nearly killed him. Um, Why don't they just give the lance to Lady, like, tell her to stroll up to Overlook, wreck some shit. Well, uh... I this mean, isn't complicated. <laughs> uh, Croker actually says, like you know, in this book, he's like, I, I just pissed off like, so many people by saying that. <laughs> Croker says in this part that he would prefer to not give Lady too many temptations. Because he knows she's, you know, she's got her powers back. Oh, yeah, that's and, right. And he knows her inclination to, like, you know, iron-fisted rule <laughs> when, you know, when given the opportunity. And so he is trying to, you know, in his own way guide her down the the lighter path <laughs> and and i think he would see and apparently sorry i don't know if we're switching characters but not sure she, she's still suffering from dreams mm -hmm. yeah lady she's is talking to morgan a few times about them yeah yeah do we have any any thoughts so i'm just saying that because she is she She's 
still at risk for being influenced by Kina, I suppose. Do you do you have any well, I mean, thoughts yeah, or theories was, on I why mean, she still has these dreams? Because they well, went I think away. It has to do something with the uh, initiation ceremony and. Oh yeah, did, how long how long were they away for? Because it's been four years just since the last book, right? Or we don't know exactly how long, but they went away after the initiation ceremony. Um. Presumably, they went into the daughter of night. Uh instead but uh, they came back at some point so huh. trying to think I'm going to be listening to this at some point after I know <laughs> and I'm going to be so angry at myself it's going to be right there isn't it there there are there are mm. hints I've got nothing I have to admit I'm, I, I've got nothing did she you have mathematically divide by what I've got Sorry? did she did she have dreams before her clash with Soulcatcher. Um, in this book? I think so. In this book? Yes. Yeah, like when Soulcatcher tried to impersonate Kina at Toronto Prash. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, she, she had them before that. She was going without sleep for, like, weeks. Oh, that's why she was going without sleep? That's why she was, like, so haggard? I figured I mean, she was just uh, directing among, uh, too many things, and she was yeah, pushing yeah, herself among like a general. How busy she was, but yeah, I'm sure. Okay, that's probably also involved. Yeah, ah, this is driving me nuts. I can't think of something <laughs> that would have happened. Yeah, I guess I mean, um, she's, she's a know, big wild an, Another another question. I I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Why do you think she's got her powers back? Okay. Um. So that was, yeah, that, that was the end of my next, <laughs> my only lady point, actually, the only one that I wrote down here. I said she's a big wild card for me, and I should be saying, I suppose, surprise, surprise, the lady is an enigma. Um, it's kind of par for the course at this point. I, I like this question of what she's really up to and how her powers are, are coming back. She has an exchange with Morgan that really had me super sus when he asks her how her powers are returning, and she basically admits something along the lines of, She's been stealing them back somehow, or she's a thief of some sort. I, I yep. I, <laughs> I have nothing to go on there. It, 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 I was like, what? Theft? How? Not a yep. clue. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be blindingly obvious, like 2020 after the fact. But <laughs> I thought perhaps that the the white roses uh, spell, for lack of a better term had just, like, maybe suppressed them or muffled them for a long time, kind of like what would, in the Wheel of Time, amount to, like, a, a really complicated shield or something like that. Maybe, like, <laughs> one of epic biblical proportion that could never be uh, broken through. But now I'm... Comp now I have nothing. That This just took that away, even. I have no idea. Yeah, the, the quote, you know, Mergen says, How can you be getting your powers back? I thought that business in the barrel end stripped you forever. And she replies and says, I'm a thief. Otherwise, none of your business. <laughs> what, a, what a typically lady line. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. yeah. Damn. It's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. Because she's been getting them back for a while. <laughs> yeah, you can I say mean, that. We, That's a word for we it. We saw her playing with like a spark in a cup even before they got to uh, Geox Lee in, in uh, Shadow Games. Oh yeah, yeah. Huh. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm st I'm stoked to see what what's actually happening, but as far as predictions and nothing, I'm dry. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm Croker. Discuss Croker for a bit. Sure. So yeah, what uh, last what book? <laughs> last book, you guys weren't super thrilled with Croker. No, no, you could say that. Uh, has your opinion changed? Yeah, some of my opinion has changed. <laughs> um, some, but then um, some not. Yeah, like a large part of this is the revelation of the con with Blade. Oh my mm -hmm. god, it made so much sense. <laughs> I was actually bending over at one point, and I was stenciling with a white roller on the bottom of a brand new, like, blue steel rack. And I, I was just, I remember it so specifically, I was stenciling this big white letter R on the bottom right corner of this rack, and then that revelation came out, and I stood up straight, and I went, Oh 
my god, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't realize how much that was that was really bothering me until it was revealed. And I feel a bit better now. <laughs> I love the way in which it wasn't also it wasn't like a huge narrative ending or even like book ending battle or even like this super dramatic moment. It was just kind of casually revealed, like twenty percent of the way in the book. I was like, Okay. And it's like nice right touch. at the beginning of the battle too. Like the battle at Chirondeprash goes on for like a couple that's, more yeah, days. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like it's not know. even this huge narrative moment or book ending moment. It's just like mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, by the I way. I also love that scene too. Like, you know, there's this like tense like standoff and, and Mergen's like waiting for Croker to like take his sword out and like foam at the mouth and try to kill Blade and then they just like hug and start like jumping around and laughing in the middle of the yep. battlefield <laughs> yeah <laughs> bro moment oh such a bro moment <laughs> mm. I just uh, with with Croker though I still want to know what the hell is going on with these crows I we know their soul yeah. catchers work at this point mm -hmm. why does he put up with them why is he talking to them what what have I been missing what have I missed yeah, well, it's it, uh, the way I read it is that it's a lot like what they were doing with Shifter in Shadow Games, where where Croker knows he's like, look, Soulcatcher is not on our side, but she wants to keep me alive, and she wants to keep Kit Lady alive so she can work her like revenge, so she will indirectly help us. If I can manipulate situations to put her in spots where she needs to side with the company in order to keep her own plans alive, you know? Okay. So yeah, she's, Croker's she's trying to like be, like, tool. super, super clever right now. I don't know. And, I think he's yeah. spreading himself too thin. <laughs> yeah. This all and seems then, like a lot of people that are just, like, the enemy of... Wait, what is the saying? The enemy of my enemy, or the enemy of your yeah, enemies? Yep. Yeah. This is my friend. I keep whatever. You know what I mean? Yes. Like yeah, it's yeah. everyone fighting against Long Shadow. Like even though no one really likes each other, they're sort of just like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As far and, as Kroger. And... Well, sorry. Go on. As far as Kroger goes, like you have to admire some of his strategic ability here. He's. Mm -hmm. When he's yeah, talking with Mergen a lot and with other members of the company, I'm still wondering sometimes, like, man, like, what crawled up your butt today, Croker? Like, you're... <laughs> oh, I mean, we just we just had 300 and some odd pages of what exactly did crawl up his butt <laughs> a couple books ago. He, I don't know, he's moody. And, like, poor yes. Mergen, like, he toys with Mergen sometimes. Oh, yeah, Mergen sure. doesn't need that. Mergen does not need that right now. Yeah. I mean, Croker... Uh, you know, Mergen has said it. He's like, look, this campaign has killed his sense of humor. He's like, <laughs> between losing his daughter to the Stranglers and this, like, all-encompassing focus on the war, Croker is changed. You know, he's he is a different person as the captain than he was as physician and analyst. I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> there are some still, there's some moments where you can still see Croker bleeding through. He's pers deeply, yeah. he's still there because there's, um, uh, this is moment here. Excuse me, sir. A voice said behind me, the liberator's compliments. And would you be so good as to get your <laughs> ass on about the job he gave you? you know, <laughs> say what you want about Croker and his, and his changing personality. It's impossible not to still see Croker at times. Yes, definitely. What did he say? Like, oh, just because he was so polite, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> just because like, well, he has so polite or way? something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. <they're... laughs> and, like, even the lady chuckles for a moment. And, of course, Willow Swan is, like, suddenly, like, really happy. I think it was Willow Swan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. It I guess my other... Oh. Sorry, go on, Jared. I was just going to say, I guess my other thought with Croker is in agreement with Rob that he's just spreading himself a bit too thin I feel like and he thinks he's a little too clever and it's probably going to bite him in the ass I think that's a, a fair a fair assessment of the situation um, uh, but to rewind a little bit to Lady I did want to point out that I, I find it really interesting how uh, Croker 
doesn't trust Lady in a lot of ways. But he explicitly trusts her when it comes to fidelity in their marriage. Because Croker isn't jealous at Does all he? that Blade and Willow Swan and the Prabrindra are just constantly hanging around her, clearly looking for an opening. And and Croker just ignores it. He's like, eh. <laughs> the the fact that they have gone this far on this campaign and Crooker hasn't been like, yo, Willow, go do your job being a guard for the Prabrindra rather than constantly hanging around Lady. Crooker doesn't care. He's so like, you think a lot of his behavior last book, or at least what Mergen interpreted as his insanely jealous behavior, was just to add more fuel to the fire so everyone would believe his yep. his apparent genuine hatred for Blade? You think the rest of that was an act as well? Okay, I can see that. I do. Yeah. Because we don't we don't see it in this book at all, and and they're around okay. so much, and clearly like clearly he's like buddy buddy with Blade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, I, I also kind of contributed a lot to uh, the fact that Mergen spends a lot of time. I, I keep almost saying dream walking, shadow walking, or whatever the heck it is. Um, he's spending more and more. He's like addicted to it. He even considers himself at oh, times. Yeah. Outright says he's addicted to it, and so I figure he's just spending less time around Croker. And maybe I thought. Some part of me thought he was just witnessing less of it, but that's a very valid point you make. I mean, it, I was—I did not see this coming at all with Blade, so I can see why maybe a lot of Croker's behavior last book that I was so disappointed. And Drew, you must have been just enjoying the hell out of yourself when oh, when Jared and I were so frustrated with Croker last episode. Between between talking about that scene, you know, with with uh, Blade and Croker, and then talking about. Sara as if she had been killed. I was like, I had this just internal <laughs> grin going, and I'm like, I gotta keep a straight face. I gotta keep a straight face. And I'll tell you, there's You've already do that been a lot one, lately. There's already been one thing we've talked about uh, in this episode that is also a, a future twist that I have kept a straight face on. Sweet, I'll leave sweet, that to, sweet. To you to I'll be interested out. to know what that is when I listen to the pre for this episode. That'll be like three, four weeks from now. Yeah. So, uh, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, and then the last character point I have is about Long Shadow. Same, literally same. Um, another pretty big revelation here: Long Shadow's true name is tied into the Shadow Gate, and if Long Shadow dies, everybody's screwed. Apparently, everybody's supposedly. Screwed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I find it hard to accept Long Shadow as being like just. I don't. I don't get it. Why he's just so merciless and seemingly pointlessly at times evil. I mean, the way he treats the citizens, the slavery, the subjugation, the refusal to, to provide basic necessities for life, and so they're dying. Like it just seems pretty one note to me. And I, I do remember in this part learning, of course, that okay, we have more context for him. That there are stakes involved with his death that aren't entirely positive. You know, um, he, so like. I guess he's kind of aware of the danger that Kina represents. Uh, I think I don't know why I thought why I where I read that, but I'm thinking we learned that as well. Is that correct? Like Long, Long Shadow, Shadow has something. Uh, he's yeah. super contemptuous of both Narayan and the Daughter of Night. Okay, but like, like, does is he aware that he's like standing between death and life, like, like, like the Shadow Gate itself? Like, I know he knows that the Shadow Gate will be. Oh. Yeah, you know. yeah, he does. There's a, there's um, a key. I remember learning there's a key out there that can open it. Uh huh. The lance and of I passion. Think, I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, Croker my prediction. Thinks kind the of. lances. Croker. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that was in one of the chapters you didn't get to quite yet. Croker and Mergen have a little chat, and Croker's like, you know, I'm starting to think that as long as we have the lance, we can we could just pack up and go on up the hill right now. We we could just leave all this behind. No, I don't remember that because Morgan, I think Morgan is also uh, referring to this one uh, saying that the Black Company has when they're like, you know, well, whenever yes. we get to Catavar. Next year in Catavar. Yeah. I think, isn't that in that same scene? <laughs> yes. Or at least it's yeah. near there. Yeah, I remember that moment. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand what Long Shadow's endgame is. What's his that's goal? Right. That's I, what I mean. Like, he just seems kind of pointlessly evil for the sake of evil at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, what, so is, what is his motivation? Are... What, is, what does he want to accomplish? He wants total dominion over the world. And he believes that he can achieve that when he gains mastery over the shadows. 
but he can only gain mastery over the shadows once overlook is completed. Uh, they they talk his... a little bit about it in this book, where uh, early on they say like his plan is that he's going to finish Overlook, where he'll be completely untouchable, and then he's just going to open the Shadow Gate, let the shadows swarm over the world, take out all of his uh, you know all of his competition, and then he'll call the shadows back, uh, you know get them under control again, and then uh, leave Overlook, and nobody will be able to stop him from ruling the world. However, that definitely we also get a little clue. There's no way yeah, that yeah. can go wrong for him. <laughs> yeah, of course not. It's all the plan there, Long Shadow. Living up to the name. Uh, but, but we see also in this part that his instability is not necessarily um, inherent to him. He has like an attack of some kind at Chirondeprash where a dark glow comes over him and he has this like crazy fit and makes a bunch of really stupid decisions and then he recovers from it and and Mergen like hears him muttering he's like oh my gosh like what have I done what have I done but his ego is so strong his vanity is so strong that he can't just be like no cancel all those orders and he he just runs from from that point and and we see this duality with with Long Shadow where he has these like panic attacks almost he his fits well he's very where he's, he's got totally to the max, totally incapable totally incapable of functioning and then he'll just like calm down and be like suddenly really smart and and totally in control and it's like what's going on there you know it's he's he's not uh, he's not a hundred percent stable. <laughs> So that's for sure. I don't like in that regard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I guess that's a spoiler. Not. Yeah, make no sense of that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So my last character character point is just about it's one single point of interest about the Nguyen Bao as as at least the ones that we know at large. These sons of bitches. I was I was originally going to go on another epic rant about these assholes, but I decided you know it's, it's probably not not quite necessary for today. Still though, these assholes, dude. I loved the Nuang Bao for the last two books. I know it's so disappointing. I loved these guys. I, mean, I really liked the speaker. He was pretty cool. They oh, Hong Trey, and and Kai Dam, yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess this is a stupid little uh, aesthetic uh, question, I suppose. I was wondering this. We, got, we saw at this one point Uncle Doge and Mother Gota back-to-back, you know, in, in just mm-hmm. fighting and just carving up enemy flesh. And I was just thinking, Uncle Doge versus Mogaba. Who do we think would win that showdown? Drew, I don't want you to answer, obviously. But, Jared, you're still on your first read-through, eh? Yes. Like I am? What do you think? Mogaba versus Uncle Doge. Doge. Doge, all the way. All the way, right? Despite Mogaba's, like, in, like megalomaniacal ego. Mogaba's too mentally weak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also just think, uh, just the description of Uncle Doge's abilities are just so much more, po- like, almost superhuman yeah. than, than Mogaba. I mean, Mogaba's, like, all, he's constantly referred to, even by Mergen, as, like, the best warrior or the perfect warrior. But Uncle Doge is, like, somehow beyond human in a lot of his descriptions, so... <laughs> I give yeah. it to Uncle Doge. Now I'm going to open my webcam to see the look on Drew's face. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a, a reasonable opinion to have. Sounds fair. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we like you said, we just saw Sweet. Doge like <laughs> walk into the Strangler camp at Trondeprash and like kill kill a couple dozen, and then we get the description, the real story of what happened that night in Taglios. Uh, when Mergen goes back and he's like, in the next several minutes, 12 people were killed. None of them were on bow. Yep. Yep. I mean, Ty Day got a little f***ed up. But, uh, yep, and I mean, Uncle arm. Doge wasn't, wasn't unscathed, but I mean, he definitely did, he did some work. He, he did some admirable work. Yeah, I believe Mergen said the, the greatest wound Uncle Doge took in that fight was a wound to his vanity because he wasn't, uh, alert enough when because he was literally asleep <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's all of my character points I'm ready just to go on to a few miscellaneous points how about you guys any other characters you want to throw into the pile 
No. Um, no. Yeah. Let's cool. let's chat. Right. Let's chat. Okay. Uh, I've already got my miscellaneous point about languages and the picking up thereof out of the way. I get it. Like this is also again, this is coming from a north. The guy lives in North America. Not many people here speak more than one language. I speak like one and a half at best. I understand there are people in, in especially in smaller European countries that'll speak like three, four languages, and it's not a huge big deal. Huge, big, big, huge. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> but. <sighs> Yeah, I got that out of the way. And there's something I forgot to mention, uh, not even last book, but it was all the, all the way back in Dreams of Steel. But <laughs> as long as we're on stupid aesthetic points, I hate the, I, I f***ing hate the name, the Prabhrindra Dra. I, I just, <laughs> it makes me unreasonably irritated. And I, I've never been one, obviously, to be entirely patient with exotic sort of epic fantasy sorts of names and titles. I can be a kind of pretentious namer of things myself, but for me, this is like two steps too far. It's too many syllables meant specifically, it seems, to tie up your tongue. The double draw just makes me so unreasonably angry. I just, I don't envy the audiobook narrators for a lot of the names that we're getting. It's like, oh boy. I mean, Nguyen Bao. I got that one down pat, I feel like, but still, it's like, oh man, that's just, I don't know. Yeah. Fantasy I mean, names get on my nerves sometimes. I told you a stupid point. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, all of these Taglian names, or most of these Taglian names, are Indian in, like, phonetically, uh, linguistically. So. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Taglios I mean, I know their, is... their, their culture is in, influenced a lot by oh, the, uh, oh, yeah. the Hindu, right? With the, um, the Goonies, I believe it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Goonies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... Oh shit! I might want to curb myself then. I don't want to be insulting like the actual Indian. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, but you know, like some of some of the uh, the city names have the same like um, uh, like constructions as actual um, Indian cities. Like like you'll get uh, a couple of places mentioned by One Eye. I think in his brief little bit in Bleak Seasons. Uh, the, there's like cities that end with a uh, like bad, you know, like B A D, you know, and how there are I didn't realize that there are real cities in India, Hyderabad, you know, places hmm. like that, Islamabad, you know, in Pakistan, you know. I'm a. It's yeah. There's okay. there's I, I so guess really much. I my ignorance on display here. <laughs> there's so okay. much South Asian influence in well everything about. The books of the South and the books of Glittering Stone. The Nyung Bao are very strongly, um, like, Vietnamese-inspired. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. The, the but, Vedna are, uh, but personally, are heavily influenced as far as, Islam, um, I uh, As far as the Prabhrindra Dra specifically goes, I think that name's super fun. <laughs> the, Precisely really? because the, the, of it's the, For me, like, it's just the double draw. It makes it, it's hard yeah. for me to pronounce. The, the, the Prabhrindra Dra. It's like, I always, I don't know. It's yeah. a little too difficult for me. <laughs> I, I like that. I, I, I get a crack out of it. It was the same thing with like Jaha Maharaj Ja. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on the, the, I'm listening to the audiobook for a lot of the, for, for, actually for this week, it was entirely audiobook. So, mm, mm-hmm. hmm. I don't know. Yeah, this, you, know what, you know what? I just put something together. I had a very similar uh, response to something. We haven't actually just covered this yet on the Inking Out Loud podcast, but we will probably not too far in the future. The Lies of Locke Lamora. There, mm. There's a lot of um, Venetian uh, yeah, Italian. Oh, on. Yeah. Italian? I thought it was Venice specifically. Well, yeah, I mean, Venice is, is that, in Italy. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> but like, with, with the, uh, the, like, it just uh, there was the the name of the river. Oh God, what was the river name that was repeated? Kamaratsa. That's what it was. It was just repeated so often. It was just like if I hear the same word forty <laughs> times over the course of an hour, and it's like a name, I'll get irritated in just some stupid, small, aesthetic, pointless, unreasonable way. But it, I still have to bring it up. There's just certain names that just make me go, Oh, I'm so tired of hearing that name. This <laughs> just is skip over them. them. I think that's what I do. Fair enough. Fair What's enough. That? Skip over. Well, I mean, yeah. That's a lot just, easier to yeah, do probably when you're reading with your yeah, eyeballs. instead of listening. You can just read it as the yeah. prince. Yeah, again, yeah. with Lies of Locke Lamora, <laughs> it was also an audiobook. This is starting to make so much sense. I just have some sort of <laughs> brain filter that doesn't let me ignore certain words. And they get on my nerves. They kind of grind on me a little over time. It's I'm really interested in the audiobook just to experience how they do Soul Catcher. 
Dude, Sulk, oh my god, especially, uh, oh god, what was Rachel Butera or something, the audiobook for Dreams of Steel? Oh my goodness. Yeah. She knocked that one out of the park with Soul Catcher. And with uh, Frogface? Was the name's yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that with Frogface. Frogface, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, she's, she's yeah. Soul Catcher is actually really interesting to listen to. Uh, see here, miscellaneous points. Oh, I already brought up the point of the key, the Shadow Gate, uh, Uncle Doge and Mother yep. Gota back to back. Oh, yeah, no, I'm actually through my miscellaneous points. I'm ready for the final draft myself, but I'm sure you guys have some more uh, miscellaneous things to throw in there. Yes? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh... Nothing for me. Really? I, I think I'm Sweet. pretty set. Let me just make sure I, I touched on all of my, like, highlighted notes. Oh, oh, I had a couple of, um... I did have a couple of miscellaneous things. Um, just where, where we Sweet. get the unreliable narrator coming through again. There's, a uh, one quote... Oh, yeah, I noticed that. Mergen, Bergen says, you know, that made me reflect on how different we were from other mercenary bands I have seen. There was almost no bullying or brutality among the men. Historically, you would not have gotten in if you were the sort of who made himself feel good by causing pain to those around you. Uh, except, now granted, this is before Mergen's time, but there are several characters specifically called out in the first book of the series who are like full-on sadists. Um... I believe Kingpin and uh, Pawnbroker were two of them that were, were called oh out for that. Oh my god, those are names I haven't heard in so long. Yeah. Um, and then there's another quote. I am no military genius, but I have read the available annals a few times. Nowhere in there did I ever find mention of anybody who won a war sitting on his ass. Except for Lady, who yeah. sat on her butt <laughs> at Charm and let all the armies in the world come to her and then die. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then and then I just had a fair enough. An, another another quote uh, because this is this is a, a recurring theme. I feel like I'm a mushroom on a mushroom farm. I told Croker, kept in yes. the dark and fed a diet of horse. <laughs> yep, <laughs> we've heard that twice. I think in this in this first half. I think I definitely uh, picked up on it once. I want to say I picked it up on it twice. Yeah, the, it's it's definitely a. A, a recurring theme, <laughs> uh, and then my last my last highlighted one um, uh, again with Mergen and, and Mother Goda. Um, <laughs> I went to my writing area, settled in, and got to work. Uncle Doge and Tai Dei found uh, their wooden practice swords and began to loosen up on the other side of the room. Mother Goda continued to talk to herself as she got busy cleaning it up. As long as she was in the mood, I even let her help with my mess, offering suggestions from the corner of my mouth just often <laughs> enough to keep her simmering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, casually simmering. <laughs> keep feeding just, that flame. Oh, oh man. Boy. Yeah, the, like, <laughs> the, the mutual dislike in that family. <laughs> and it's something that's relatable, I think. It's a very common source of humor, you know, in-laws. You don't yeah. see that explained or, or pursued too much, I suppose, in epic fantasy, I, I, or at least I haven't. I like seeing it. I want to see more of it. I like that Mother Gota is there, even though I hate her guts. I like that I hate her guts. <laughs> yeah. She's still she's, fine she's a in, a, in a morbid way. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I, I lied. I actually did have one more highlighted line that made me chuckle. Let's hear it, dude. Uh, I was one eye in Mergen once again talking about one eye he jumped down we started waving his hands around while he went to squeaking and squealing in one of those languages wizards use so the rest of us will think there is something terribly strange and mystical about what they do kind of like lawyers <laughs> yep yep I, I was actually sitting on a toolbox and leaning over and painting it on the bottom i remember when i heard that one too that was that was a pretty good one mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so are we good to go? Shall we start with the final draft? I think we shall. Let's do it. Okay, I'll start us off today again, as I think I usually do. Um, I'm a little excited about my entry for the final draft today, and it's not because it's themed well in any real way. Uh, but I've discovered very recently, like three days ago, that there is in fact a brewery right in the next town over. 
that's been open for like a little while since 2017, I guess. And I know Drew, where you're from, there's you can't throw a stone <laughs> out of your window without hitting a brewery somewhere. Yeah. Um, but that I, this is the closest one that I have heard of in uh, perhaps ever in this small town that I live in. Well, it's the next town over. It's actually the town that I work in. I drive to Kingsville, Ontario, every day to work. Uh, so this one comes from. Uh, it's just. Uh, what is like Kings? This is a Kingsville Pale Ale, or it says Kingsville Pale Ale right on it. From oh yeah, the company's Kingsville Canadian Beer, and it's six point five percent ABV. You know, I looked it up on the uh, the web page. Apparently, it has an IBU of forty one. It has a nice tasty finish. Pours a little darker for a pale ale than I would have expected. It's kind of like it was translucent but coppery colored. It wasn't it wasn't opaque, but it's still very it was darker than I expected. Maybe a little more orange than I expected. Um, but you know, there's, there's the malts are all over this one on the finish, and that's always I love malt candies, I love malt beers. It's a, I can taste taffy. I swear to God, I can smell caramel. I'm gonna be returning to this beer again and again, and not every time, obviously, for the future of the podcast. But it'll probably be making a few more appearances in the future. Nice. Sounds tasty. Nice. Jared, what do you think? So yeah, this is this is sorry again, Kingsville Pale Ale from Kingsville Canadian Beer. Go ahead, dude. Um, so I, mine is from Huss Brewing Company. It is called, uh, Coffee Kolsch. So it's a Kolsch-style ale with coffee beans. Um, let's see, let me look at the description here. Traditional Kolsch-style ale, cold steeped with freshly roasted caramel and hazelnut coffee beans. Uh, a unique brew that drinks like a lager yet packs a delicious coffee punch. Yeah, that is an interesting. Uh, uh, it's very good for some. For some reason, then they uh, they say it pairs well with um, smoked meats, lamb chops, and soft cheese. I don't know. Soft Where, cheese. I, wouldn't well, I could see figured. it. Yeah, yeah I could the see smoked it. meats. I've heard. I can see yeah. it. I can see it. Yeah, I just hadn't considered it. It's yeah. it's uh, super tasty. I, I'm definitely a fan. Yeah, that is a what strange is it kind of combination. Mm-hmm. Coffee Kolsch. Coffee so, Kolsch. I thought it was yeah. just a coffee Kolsch. Nice though. Okay. Yeah. So so like a Kolsch is a traditional you know German style. I was gonna say it's very light wheat beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so nice. usually when you get coffee you know, being included in beers, it's in things like porters and stouts, you know, the, the dark, heavy stuff. So that's a, that's a really interesting right, combination. Right. Huh. Yeah, it's good. And I mean, it, you know, it's, it's 4.7. So it's definitely not your like hard hitting stout. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds really refreshing though. Nice. Well, I am well. drinking a beer from Ology Brewing Company. In Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, I, I knew I wanted to bring another beer from them on the show uh, because this is the company that did uh, Reshi Isles and the King's oh. Wit. Um, I was wondering why I heard the name before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, you know, a West Coast India Pale Ale. Uh, pretty, pretty standard for that style, you know, clear, uh, crisp, bitter, piney, um, you know, nice seven percent, nothing, nothing too insane, uh, but but a, an enjoyable nice drink. Beer. Yeah, yeah, um, and and this one, uh, this this goes out to Blade, you know, oh. uh, and and to Croker, to vindicate Croker a little bit after oh, after Christ. this uh, you know mystery of what the heck is wrong with Croker uh, was brought up in. In uh, bleak seasons, you know what is the deal here? What is going on? This beer is called Resolved Enigma. Ooh. Oh, I even called the lady an enigma just twenty minutes mm-hmm. ago. Nice, yeah. nice. Well yeah. played. So, did you uh, manage to, dude? Lately, you've been subliminally putting your little beer names earlier in the podcast. Did you manage to somehow communicate that telepathically with me? <laughs> and this time, even better, you've implanted the Enigma word in my brain before the podcast. Like, no, I I actually thought about. There were a couple of points where I wanted to call it an Enigma earlier, but I was like, nah, don't be too heavy-handed. <laughs> yes. But uh, nice. But yeah, yeah. So I think. 
that brings us to the end of our discussion for this part of She is the Darkness. This has been episode 100 of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Yeah, and stay tuned for uh, you know more information on our social media channels about our uh, celebration episode. As Rob said, you know we're going to do a bonus episode to celebrate 100, and uh, and we're going to have some fun stuff, some giveaways, and and uh, fun conversation, and maybe a couple of readings of original fiction written by Rob and myself. Yep. Um, next up. In episode 101, we will be finishing off She is the Darkness. Uh, so, you know, keep your eyes peeled for that, because uh, that's going to be another fun one. <laughs> Our episodes have reached three digits, dude. Oh, baby. Not um, counting all the, the bonus patron content. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, which 20 episodes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah 25, 30 episodes. But uh, and speaking of Patreon, if you want to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash inkingoutloud, where you can get access to the aforementioned bonus episodes, as well as a bunch of other extra content. As always, I have been your host, Drew McCaffrey, and with me has been my co-host, Rob Santos. Right here. And our special guest, Mr. Jared Livingston. Thanks for coming on. Supreme yes. Sorcerer. Sorry. No, Sorcerer Supreme. I've got to get it right. I'm trying to, I'm trying to correct you, and I can't even do it. All right? Yeah. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. See you guys.